Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Chase to Summit podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and we're back. We're doing it yet again. Another weekly podcast. In these shows or these podcasts, is it even a show when it's just a guy rambling? I try to talk about all things that are going on with me in my personal life, my training, my running, but I also talk about some of the exciting announcements that have happened in the week of fitness and running technology. That might be a GPS watch or some shoes or whatever. I'll talk about it here and try to share my thoughts on it, the details to give you kind of a one-stop shop of what's going on during the week. And uh, I do my best. So I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your Spotify's, your Apple's or whatever, because I really appreciate that. It helps me out. And this podcast has been steadily growing. I've been seeing a lot of downloads. Very exciting. So I really appreciate you listening to it. I also want to remind you to give me a uh, five-star review on your podcast platform, whether that be Apple or Spotify or whatever. And if you leave a little comment, that really helps me out too. I'm not going to plug this podcast throughout this entire podcast. That'd be weird. This was a podcast about a podcast. But I like to mention that because if you don't mention it, sometimes people don't know that it helps, but it does help. So uh, before we dive in, I do want to thank the Patreon members and the YouTube members for helping support both the YouTube channel and the podcast. It really means a lot. And I know there are a handful of people out there that have been supporting the podcast and the YouTube channel for like over a year now, which is amazing. So a uh, quick shout out for you, you folks. I've been trying to put more exclusive content on the Patreon page, like uh, one-on-one uh, interviews, the video formats, and some like behind the scenes stuff along with uh, some early bird specials, which we'll talk about in a minute. So a uh, big announcement today that happened this week is I've been working with a brand. I alluded to this a couple of podcast episodes ago that I've been working with a brand to come up with some new merch. And the brand is Path Projects. And if you're not aware with po- what Path Projects is, they are a clothing company, obviously. But what they do is make super duper high quality uh, running, hiking, outdoorsy type clothes that are super versatile because the material they use is a blend with something called tensile or tensilite. This material is, it makes the fabric feel like a well-worn cotton shirt, like super comfortable, something you could wear like every day and just hang out in but it has all the benefits of a synthetic shirt. It's moisture wicking, quick drying, UV protectant, antimicrobial, anti-odor, all those things combined into a shirt that is just super comfortable to wear. And I'm working with Path Projects. They've produced this CTS collab shirt. That's what they're calling it. So if you check out the show notes down below, I'll have a link over to Path Projects website. It's pathprojects.com slash chase the summit where you could pick up one of these shirts. Um, And I'm really proud of it. I'm very excited about it. It's got the Chase the Summit logo on the front, but in the logo is the Path Projects logo kind of merged together. And a little hidden secret about this shirt is that the ink that they use to print the logo on the front is reflective. So if you're running at night, that logo will glow when some headlights hit it or another headlamp from from an oncoming runner or a cyclist or something. 
makes them see you, which is super cool. It's kind of a dual purpose thing. Anyways, check out the show notes down below for the link over to Path Project's website, pathprojects.com slash chase the summit to get one of these shirts. Limited quantities. We, we didn't print a lot of these. We're kind of testing the waters with them. So there's only a few available. And once they sell out, I don't know if they'll come back into stock. So if you want one, get one now. Okay, moving on to another, I guess this is kind of a big announcement. Um, I've been invited to fly out to Western States and hang out with Hoka. So Hoka contacted me a few weeks ago and asked if I wanted to go out to Western States. And if you don't know what Western States is, it's the most iconic, famous ultramarathon in the United States out in California in a place called Olympic Valley. Uh, so I'll be flying into Sacramento Airport and we'll be traveling out to Olympic Valley and kind of just, I'm not running the event, so I won't be running the 100 miler or anything like that, which would be cool, but I'd probably die. Uh, I'm just going to be there to like be part of the media team for Hoka. I'll be checking out some of their new gear and I'll also be at strategic spots along the course to do some race coverage, talk with some athletes, see what's going on, the who's who, and uh, kind of get the full, full you know, Western States experience. I am beyond excited to do this. It's it's my first media trip. It's the first time a brand has invited me to do something like this. Um, super cool. So stay tuned for upcoming content. I plan on recording a podcast while I'm out there. So it's starting. I'm, I'm going to be flying on June 22nd and coming home on the 26th. So on that Friday, I, I try to do these podcasts at the end of the week. I'll try to record something while I'm there. And maybe, just maybe, I can convince either an athlete or another creator that's out there for Hoka's uh, media trip to see if I can get them on the podcast. And maybe we can, you know, kind of just talk about the experience and what's going on. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I am very excited. I'll be recording that podcast from my hotel room. So I, I won't miss a week, I promise. Well, I won't promise because if anything goes crazy or I'm super busy out there, it might not happen, but I do fully intend to film a, or not film, but record a podcast episode while I'm out in California. Stay tuned for that. Um, very excited. So uh, let's talk about upcoming races. So if you, if you listen to my last podcast, you'll know I ran a 50 miler like two and a half weeks ago. That was a qualifier for a 100 miler I have coming up in a few weeks. That race, the 50 miler was called the Chesterfield Gorge Ultra. I finished in 10 and a half hours, give or take. And I qualified for the Vermont 100. The Vermont 100, just like Western States, is one of the premier 100 milers in the United States. It's one of the oldest in the country. And it's very hard to get into, just like Western states. Um, only 300 people are cho chosen. They have a lottery. And I'm in this year. But fun fact, I actually signed up for this race back in 2019. But because of the pandemic, they canceled the race two years in a row. And now, finally, in 2022, I get to run it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I qualified at, at Chesterfield to run Vermont. And now I'm kind of panicking because now I have to plan. Uh, I, I really have done zero planning for this race, which might be good, which might be bad. I'm undecided. So sometimes if I put too much effort into planning, 
and I like really involve myself in every little detail and come with piece charts and, uh, you know, think about what I'm going to put in my drop bags and how, what, what my goal time is. I get so wrapped up in that stuff because it, and then it adds a bunch of pressure to my overall experience. This year, I'm trying to go in with very low expectations and trying to not burden myself with goal times and everything else for the sake of whatever, just to, I don't know, prove something to myself. This year, I just want to finish. I want my dad bod to cross that finish line in under the cutoff time, which is 32 hours. Hopefully I can do that. And I think the best way to get there is to do some planning, but also not to obsess over it. So some of the critical things I'm missing right now, number one is a crew. Uh, if you're unaware of how ultra marathon works, you can typically have a crew and a crew is like a group of people that just help you. You know, they provide uh, special food that you might have, or maybe a chair to sit in, maybe a certain drink or just moral support. People that you like having around are very helpful to have at aid stations and at strategic spots during the race. So right now I do not have a crew and that's kind of a problem. Back when I ran my first hundred miler, my crew was actually my sister and her husband. And I'm thinking about talking to them again to see if I can convince them to crew me again. But Vermont is a little bit tough because it's like a three hour car drive for them. They have two dogs, their house is being renovated and stuff. So it's kind of a lot to ask. I, I need to come up with some incentive to get them to help me out. Maybe like foot the bill for their Airbnb or something. So yeah, like a crew is totally up in the air right now. Not really sure what I'm going to do there. I may have to just forego the crew and um, be a little bit more strategic with my drop bags. That is not something I really want to do because I tried that before and it didn't work out well. So uh, stay tuned for the details there. The other part is pacers. So currently I have one pacer and that's my wife. She told me she wants to run the last 13 miles or so with me from the second to last eight station to the finish line, which is great. So that's critical. Uh, I'll be happy to have somebody there. But even more critical is having somebody to run with me through the nighttime hours. Since it's a hundred mile race, you do run through the night, which can be a little bit daunting for people. It is tough to be alone. It's a real mental game when you're like alone and all you see is the trail in front of you and all you hear is the shuffling of your feet and everything in your head is going off like you should quit now. Why are you here? What are you doing? All those thoughts come into play. It's really a tough time uh, for ultra runners. And for me personally, that's when I really value having a, a pacer and it's been really critical to have people there for that time. Unfortunately, I do not have a pacer for that point of the run. So I'm trying to think, you know, who I want to have there because I don't want to just have anybody pace through that time. It needs to be somebody who knows me well, that knows not like when to talk, when not to talk. If I just want to be silent for a little while, it's, you know... I sound like a whiny baby kid, but like when you're in the, when you're 70 miles into a hundred mile run and you've got somebody just talking your ear off, or maybe they're just not talking enough, or maybe they're being negative. Um, that's not the type of person you generally want to have around you, uh, when you're already in kind of a bad headspace. So 
I need to figure that out. Again, totally up in the air right now, but um, hopefully I, I come up with some names or if you're out there and you think you'd be a, a good pacer, hit me up on Instagram. That might be helpful. I don't know. Uh, a couple other things I need to do for this race is come up with a strategy of some sort. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to overthink it, but I do want to have like some sort of goal time or, or just something to look forward to, to incentivize myself to keep moving. Um, I also have to come up with what I'm going to put in my drop bags, what I'm going to wear, all of those details, because I've only got about three weeks or three and a half weeks to piece this all together, just kind of crazy. So if you, uh, if you're interested in pacing or crewing and you, you think you'd be a, an asset, <laughs> hit me up on Instagram because I'm kind of in the dark right now and I may j just end up be there, end up there alone. Who knows? And in terms of training leading up to Vermont, right now I'm three weeks or two and a half weeks out from my last race. And I tell you, I've been where I'm, I've been feeling pretty weak, but I think it's a combination of things. First of all, the air quality here in New England has been just terrible. There's been super high grass pollen. Everything's yellow right now. And I'm like really allergic to it. So I've been having a real hard time running. I feel like my body is just like filled with cement. I feel slow. I feel heavy. And I think it's all due to the pollen and air quality lately. So hopefully that clears up a little bit in the next couple of weeks because I've been feeling pretty darn slow. And I can't tell if it's just like my body's still kind of wasted from my last race or if it's just the air quality has run me down. In either case, I've been barely cracking like 10 minute miles. I've been still getting the miles in. So last week, I think I ran 25. This week, I'm hoping to get like over 30, um, which doesn't sound like a lot leading up to a 100 mile ultra marathon. But I am, you know, just two weeks out from the last 50 miler where I kind of trashed myself. So I'm not trying to dig too deep. Um, I mean, the, the hay's basically already in the barn. I can't really change anything about what happens in Vermont to this point. Physically, my training's in there. It is what it is at this point. So I just need to keep my fitness level there leading up to race day. And I tell you, this pollen is not helping. But, you know, hopefully everything kind of recovers and I feel a lot better <laughs> by mid-July. Okay, with all that out of the way, let's dive into the news because that's probably what you're here for. We are 14 minutes into this uh, podcast and I haven't even talked about the news yet. What am I doing here? So the first thing I want to talk about in the news is uh, Apple Watch OS 9. This is something that was announced last week. I made a video about all the new features in Apple Watch OS 9. But what changed since then is I've actually downloaded the beta of OS 9 to my Apple Watch. So to do this, it's kind of a pain in the butt. I had to update my iPhone to beta 16 and then update the watch to OS 9. I've done it. It was kind of a pain in the butt. It took a little while to get that done, but I've got all the new features now. And I was really excited to go on a bunch of runs with this and test out these new metrics that were announced. So Apple announced that the Apple Watch now can record running power during your runs, ground contact time, vertical oscillation, and a couple of other metrics. They've also updated the actual workout app in the watch to display more data. So there's a heart rate zone graph now. There's um, more information per page. And the overall app just is way better. So in my firsthand experience so far, 
The workout app is like 10 times better. There's way more information. The heart rate zone graph is really cool because it's kind of animated. So it kind of moves as you run, which I really like. Uh, but I have run into a huge roadblock, which I'm calling out to all the, the nerdy people out there that may know the ins and outs of fit files. Here's my problem. I've been out on several runs with the Apple Watch Series 7 with watchOS 9 beta, and I've recorded running power and all this additional data in all of my runs. If I go into the activity on my iPhone, I can see my running power data right there on the screen in the Apple Activity app. However, when I use an app like RunGap or like HealthFit, or if I just sync it directly with Strava, running power data doesn't come out with that file. It's completely missing. So I've, I've tried exporting these runs various different ways. I've tried RunGap, HealthFit, and Strava. And in all three situations, when I view the raw data of the fit file, it's missing running power entirely. The problem with that is I can't analyze the data. What I wanted to do is get the running power data out of the Apple Watch and then put it on a graph with a Stride Pod, a Coros Pace 2, a Coros Vertex 2, with the Polar Watch, with the Garmin HRM Pro, and then compare with all of these devices how their running power metric stacks up to each other because everyone kind of does this different. If you don't know, the running power uh, metric is not standardized. There's no standard for it. So these devices are not calibrated. So everybody gives you different numbers. And I'm super curious to see how what Apple is doing here. And right now, I can't get the data from like the raw running power data out of the Apple Watch to compare it to my other test devices, which is a pretty big bummer. So if you're out there and you're very familiar with Apple Watch and you're very familiar with Fit Files, I would really love to hear from you. Shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know what I'm doing wrong because I cannot get this data out of the Apple Watch. Now, the only thing I was able to do is to actually look at the watch while I'm running and while I'm running, see what the running power is at that moment and then compare it to my other watches. And from what I gathered, it seems like the Apple Watch is is leaning more towards the Garmin way of like providing a really high number so when I ran, I was seeing like 400 watts, which is like crazy four or 500 watts uh, compared to the stride pod, which would be saying like, you know, 200 watts. So roughly half of what the Apple Watch or the Garmin was saying. So, I mean, really unscientific right now, but it seems to be like reading a little bit higher compared to my other test devices. Another thing I noticed with the Apple Watch and running power is that if you stop to walk for any duration of time, it won't record running power. It goes to zero, which was a problem on other devices in the past. So on the Coros Pace 2, when that first came out, uh, the running power data would go to zero if you walked. Since then, they've updated the firmware, so now it's more accurate, and when you walk, it just goes to a lower number, like you know, 30 or 40 watts, but not zero, where the Apple Watch, it seems like running power just falls off a cliff entirely to like zero when you start walking. Again, I don't have a way of like really getting to leads with this data and analyzing it on a graph because I can't get that data out of the watch. Until I do, you'll have to just stay tuned to the YouTube channel and see when I figure that out, there will def be a, definitely be a video. For now, I just can't do it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, next up in the news are two huge updates from Strava. 
If you don't know what Strava is, it's a social media platform for runners and cyclists uh, where you can upload your activity and then your friends can give you kudos or comment on it. So uh, it's a lot of fun for, for you know, enthusiasts or, you know, athletes of any sort. Strava has added some huge updates here. So first of all is the, what they call trail time. You can record activities directly into Strava using your Apple Watch or the phone app. But previously, they only had some, like a handful of activities to choose from, and none of them were related to being on a trail. Now, with this big update, they've added trail running, gravel riding, gravel mountain biking, and e-mountain biking as activities within the phone app and on the Apple Watch, which is super cool. Now you can record your trail runs and rides with the Strava app without needing to use your Garmin or whatever, and it'll record as a trail run. Um, another big update to this is that they've actually added the ability to find or search for routes uh, in an area. So if you're looking, if you've visited an area, you want to go on a trail run, and you know you want a medium difficulty run with a few hills and um, want it to be 10 miles, for example, you can dial all this in as filters with the search in Strava, and Strava will actually find trail runs in your area that meet your criteria. And there's a bunch of different filters you can turn on, like difficulty, how much elevation gain, and all of that, and it's super cool. And you can do this all right on your phone, and then click when you click on one of these routes, it'll actually show you community completion time, like the average amount of time it took most people to complete it in the area, and it'll actually give you like little reviews of the route in total. Uh, and the other cool thing about this is you can actually save the route to your phone for offline. So you don't need a cell connection to recall the route. Now, unfortunately, I don't think you can save the route to an Apple Watch offline. So you can't save it directly to your watch and then recall it to do on the fly when you get there. You have to use your phone for that. But it is a really cool feature. I'm glad to see they thought of trail people this time around. Another big update is that they've added video uploads to the activities. So previously, you could add pictures of your activities. So if you went and ran in the mountains, you could take a bunch of pictures of the mountains and upload them to your activity on Strava. Now you can actually add video clips up to 30 seconds to your activities. There's a couple of limitations though. First of all, like I said, only 30 second clips can be uploaded. And second, it's only available in the phone app not actually on your desktop browser. So if you open a desktop browser and go to Strava's website, you cannot upload videos through that, you know, through the website. You have to use the app. Not a big deal, but, you know, it is worth mentioning. So, yeah, two big new updates from Strava, which uh, are pretty exciting, and I'm, I'm hopeful to test them out soon. They're rolling these out in phases, so not everybody has access to them yet. I also should mention that the trail updates, like searching for trails and saving them to your phone, that is only for subscribers that pay for the service. If you pay that $8 a month fee, you'll have access to that. If you want if you want to use the uh, video upload function, that will be available to everybody. So you don't have to pay for that. Okay, that's it for Strava News. Now let's talk about the final topic today, which is a couple of new devices that were launched from AmazeFit. Now, if you were following my YouTube channel this week, you would see that I've posted a review about the AmazeFit T-Rex 2. 
And what made this watch so unique is that it comes in at $229, but it's got some real premium features to it, like an OLED display with a touchscreen, and it has multi-band GPS. Previously, you'd have to spend quite a few bucks to get multi-band GPS. The cheapest watch other than this would be the new Garmin 400 255, but if you jump up from that, you're going to the 955 or to a Chorus Vertex 2 or to a Garmin Phoenix 7, which are all six, seven, eight hundred dollars Very expensive devices. So the cool thing about this Amazfit T-Rex 2 is 229 bucks with multi-band GPS. Now let's talk about these new devices from Amazfit. These are called the Amazfit BIP 3. BIP, B-I-P. And this is a, a series of devices that have been around for several years. They've always been a very inexpensive offering from Amazfit that always had like just a few wellness features. So if you want to track your steps or, you know, basic sleep tracking or things like that, you could get a BIP for cheap money. But they've really upped the game with the BIP this time around. I keep saying BIP. It's, it's weird to say that word. Uh, so the Amazfit BIP 3 and BIP 3 Pro come in at a very inexpensive price of just $59 to $69. The BIP 3, 59 bucks. The BIP 3 Pro is $69. And the only difference between these two is that the BIP 3 Pro has a GPS chip built in and the BIP 3 does not. I don't know why they made two. Like for $10, one is $59, one is $69. They're literally $10 apart. I feel like they should have just made the BIP3 Pro with GPS built in and called it a day and just not done the $59 version. But they made two, so there's that. If you want to save 10 bucks and you never use GPS, I guess there's, there's an option for you. So what's cool about these devices, first of all, that price, $69 for the expensive one, and it has GPS built in. If we look at other budget offerings with GPS built in, I'm thinking like the the uh, Fitbit Charge 5. That's uh, 180 bucks, and that's considered cheap with GPS built in. This thing has 69, is $69 with GPS built in. And not only is it GPS, it's four satellite GPS. So you have Galileo, GLONASS, GPS, and QZSS, all as options within the watch for better accuracy. This watch also has a heart rate sensor on the back, with an SpO2 sensor for blood oxygen saturation. It's got two weeks of battery life by default out of the box. It's five atmospheres water resistant, so you can go swimming with it. It's got a 1.7 inch LCD backlit display, not OLED, but it's still LCD, so it should look pretty nice. And it's got Amazfit's BioTracker 2 barometric sensors built in. All of this for $69. So that was announced today, I think, and I've already ordered both models. They're in the mail. I should have them next week, and I plan on making a full review about these watches because if they even can hold a candle to like a Fitbit Charge 5 or one of the cheap Garmin's or, or even the cheap um, Koros like the Pace 2, if they can do anything remotely close to those watches for $69, I think this might be kind of impressive. And if the GPS accuracy and heart rate accuracy are like even, you know, like a six out of 10 for that money, this could be a win for a lot of people looking for a really, a really inexpensive device or even kids like it's a, the form factor kind of looks like an Apple watch. 
you know, it's a square looking device with round, rounded edges and a glass screen. Um, and it's pretty thin with like a button or knob on the side. So if it does all the smartwatch stuff and it has some wellness features and you can track a run with it with the built-in GPS and it doesn't suck, <laughs> all this thing has to do is not suck for it to be successful at that price point. Um, so yeah, super cool. I'm excited to test it out and review it on the YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. All right, folks, that's really the end of this podcast. I don't have a whole bunch of news to talk about this week. I scoured the internet. I looked through Google News. That's kind of my hack to uh, to getting stuff for the podcast. I looked through the Google News feed, try to find fitness tech related things, and then I talk about them here. So there's my secret. If you enjoyed this podcast, you found a helpful, fun, anything, make sure to follow along, click that subscribe button, hit that five-star review, leave a comment, do all the things that help this podcast grow because it has actually been growing pretty steadily recently, which is pretty exciting. And stay tuned. Next week, I've been I vowed to do a weekly podcast and I'm going to be in California next week and I'm going to desperately try to get a podcast out next week. It might fall apart. Maybe I don't get it out, but I'm saying it here. So hopefully I do. And uh, I think that's it. Check out the, the new Path Project shirt that I talked about earlier. And, and I think we finally reached the end of this episode. And if you're listening now, thank you for, for following along in my ramblings. I'll see you next week. Bye, folks. Thanks again. Thanks again.